We love you and we magnify you for this moment. Father, we thank you for this little baby. And, and God, that all that she would do, Father, to bring you glory and honor in the kingdom. And now, Father God, as we go into your word, Father, I'm your vessel. Father, I'm your servant. Use me. Empower me by your spirit. Give every person under the sound of my voice a heart to receive, an ear to hear, and a heart to receive what thus saith the Lord today. Father, we commit ourselves to you in a fresh way as we go into your word, which empowers, give wisdom, and give understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, this is our third part of our series, and for many of you, um, uh, you know, we have been uh, in dealing with prayer for the entire month of November. Uh, this is the third part of that. Um, the first week, we had talked about praying in the will of God. Um, how many know that it's very, very important to pray in the will of God? And if you and I are praying and we don't understand the will of God, then we cannot really expect that our prayers are going to be answered. And in order to understand the will of God, it takes you and I to spend time with the Lord in intimacy, in prayer, obviously, and in the reading of his word so that we can understand God's will. We also talked last week about uh, the hindrances to prayer. Some of us have been praying for years about certain things that happened and perhaps they haven't happened. And last week we dealt with some things that happened that, that actually hinders our prayer life. And so we dealt with some of those things last week. And so today, we're going to be dealing with approaching God. How do we approach God in prayer? God is an awesome God. God is a God who is holy. He is righteous. And how do we approach God? Do we approach him flippantly or do we just come cavalier or do we come with an understanding in knowing who he is? God has a protocol for how we should approach now, when we talk about protocol, we're not talking here about perfection. How many know that, that you know, that none of us are perfect? And I always say that if you ever find a, a, a perfect church, a perfect, a perfect people, you probably should leave and find someplace else to go because you'll mess it up because none of us are perfect. God never intended for that. And when, he, when we talk about uh, understanding prayer, and approaching God, it is very, very important that we understand and have a mindset that God is holy and that we can approach him, but we must approach him the way that he wants us to approach him. Now, I'm talking today to those who really want to have their prayers answered. Is there anybody here that want to have their prayers answered? Is there anybody here that when you get on your knees and you seek the face of God, you want to have it so that when I pray, I know God has heard me and God will move heaven and earth for me. Is there anybody in here like that today? Because now those of you who are not really serious about prayer and you want God, you know, you're not really sure if you want God to move, then then I won't be talking to you. But for those of you who really, really want to know that when I get on my face before almighty God, that every time I get on my face that I can have confidence and I can have assurance that God has answered my prayer and that God is going to move. Time after time throughout scriptures, we see examples of God moving uh, on the prayers of his people. And so today we're going to talk about how do we approach him. And I believe that as you listen up today that these principles will help us as we enter into our prayer life, whether it's going to a prayer meeting or whether it's praying at home in the morning or whether it's at night or in the afternoon, how often you pray, these things will 
are so important in understanding how to pray effectively so that God will move and answer our prayers. Number one, we must approach God with faith. Turn with me to Mark chapter 11. For those of you who have your Bibles, we like to flip pages here. Mark chapter 11, and we're going to start in verse number 23. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. And Jesus answered in saying to them, have faith in God. Look at your neighbor and say, have faith in God. Look at your neighbor and say it again with faith. Have faith in God. Now, it's interesting. The reason I wanted you to say that again, because it's very, very important that we understand that he did not say have faith in your checkbook. He did not say have faith in the person that is beside you. He did not say have faith in the Republicans. He did not say have faith in the Democrats. He did not say have faith in your checkbook. He said have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. Now, Jesus is encouraging the disciples to have faith when he prays, when we pray. And he is speaking there about an attitude that you and I should have every time we get on our our knees or on our face and whatever your posture is and you're seeking God. He says to have faith in God and whatever we say or whatever we are asking God for, that we are to believe that what we're asking for, that we're going to receive. You see, whenever you and I, if we are praying to God, And we are vacillating back and forth, wondering whether or not God is really hearing us, wondering whether or not is God really going to answer our prayer, then we're not moving in faith. God responds to a people that pray in faith. God responds to a people that move in faith. He says to have faith in God. And when you and I pray, we ought to believe, we ought to have confidence. And if we're praying and seeking God about something, and we're not really sure that we need to take the time to seek the will of the Lord to make sure that what we're asking, that we're in the will of God. But after we have determined that what we're asking is consistent with the will of God, once we have determined that God, through, through the inner conviction of his Holy Spirit, that what we're asking he wants to give us, then you and I ought to pray in faith. Not doubting, but pray in faith. In James chapter number one, I'll turn there. James chapter one is a very, very uh, familiar passage of scripture. James chapter one, verse number five, and it reads, but if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who give to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Wow, did we hear that? 
He said that if we're double-minded, that we cannot expect to receive anything from God. Because as I said a moment ago, God responds when you and I are praying in faith. Faith moves God. And we can't expect God to move if we don't really believe that what we're asking that God wants to grant us. Because it's very, very important that we understand that. In Hebrews chapter number six, it talks about that without faith, we cannot please God. When we fail to believe God, now listen to this very carefully. When you and I fail to believe God, what we're, what we're doing is we're calling God a liar. Now, I know that is strong language. But if God has specifically said, for an example, that I will meet all of your need according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus, and if we don't really believe that God is going to meet our need, or we're doubting God, then we're saying, God, you know, I heard what you said and I read that, but I'm not really sure that you really are going to do that. See, what we're doing is we're saying to God, I don't really believe you. So in essence, we're saying to God, you're lying. And how many know that God cannot lie? God is not a man that he should lie. The wonderful thing I love about this word is that every single thing that is written between these covers will come to pass. Everything in this Bible is absolutely true. Cover to cover, it is the inspired word of God. And you and I, when we come to God, it is important that you and I believe him and trust in him and know that his word is true and what he said in his word will come to pass. I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 6. I want to read a passage of scripture. This is another one of those scriptures that is familiar. Are you all there? You all are quiet. Hallelujah. Get excited. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hebrews 11, 6. And it reads, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, not only do we come to God and must believe that he is, but you and I must believe that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Every time that you and I get on our knees or we approach God, then we should have the attitude that says, you know what? I know that God is going to reward me. When we come to prayer on Wednesdays, you know, you shouldn't, listen, we shouldn't be driving down the road thinking, you know, well, you know, Ah, oh, gosh, I got to go to this prayer service and, you know, I just, you know, I want to get this part over because I said I just want to do it. Or we shouldn't be home thinking, oh, gosh, I got to pray this morning. I got to pray this evening. But how many know that if we really, really believe that God is a rewarder, then how many know that we would pray much more often, wouldn't we? Because if we really believe that God is going to reward us, then that's what drives us to pray. Because, you know, I am going to pray today. I am going to seek the face of God today because I know that my God, number one, he's going to hear me. And God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. One of the things that I love is is Christmas time. And I have four kids, as I said a moment ago. And and usually, you know, we stack our, you know, right underneath our Christmas tree, just like many of you. We have a whole bunch of toys. And I am always amazed because my kids, you know, my daughter over here, she's laughing. But I sit back 
and I just watched them because they grabbed those boxes and, man, they just started ripping the wraps off of those boxes. And all you can see is wrappings floating up in the air and you can hear all this screaming and yelling, you know, and they're grabbing all of these toys. Now, they haven't even had time to even look at the toy to see how the thing works. They just grab it, look at it, boom. Grab the next one, look at it, boom. Now, I'm over here watching them the entire time. And I always tell my wife, I said, honey, I said, I don't really care if you buy me anything for Christmas. You know, I'm not really, and I really mean that. I mean, I could care less. But you know what gives me so much satisfaction? Is to see the happiness and the excitement in my children's faith. I mean, I sit back, to me, that is my reward. When I sit back and I see how excited my kids are, and they are just, man, they have all those toys, and I just sit back and I'm just, I got a big old smile on my face. I mean, no, that's the same way God is. God loves to reward his kids. He says, if we've been evil, know how to give good gifts. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to you? And so God wants to see us rewarded. He delights in rewarding us. And it's important that when we come to God, that we believe that I am going to be rewarded today. Every time you go in prayer, every time you bow your knees, today God is going to reward me. I'm going to have what I'm asking for because I know that what I'm asking for is consistent with the will of God. And if I know that what I'm asking for is consistent with the will of God, I know that I already have it. Can you say amen to that? You know, my kids sometimes, and I always use my kids as examples, but, you know, I always marvel because, uh, you know, we'll be driving down the road and they'll say to me, oh, dad, you know, we we want to get some ice cream, you know. And one of the things (laughs) that's amazing about that is they ask me that with a whole lot of confidence. Dad, we want to get some. Dad, can you stop and get us some? And you know what they do? They keep on asking until I respond. And then sometimes I say no. You know what they do? Dad, are you, can we have some ice cream? They are persistent because they believe that daddy wants to reward them. Now, I know they're thinking as soon as we're going to leave, the answer is no. They're thinking that when we leave church, we're going to go get some ice cream. <laughs> but God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek them. And my kids, they come to, you know, my kids, they come to me because they know that daddy is going to reward them. My son had to do some leaves yesterday. He had to, he went and did a job for somebody and he was all excited because he came back. I made $26. And all he had to do was just stand there and blow some leaves, you know. I made $26. And he was all excited. Now, one of the things I know about my son, and I, I, you know, he probably won't like me for saying this, but it's a little bit challenging sometimes to get him motivated to do W-O-R-K, work. But when that boy knows that he's going to get rewarded, guess what happens? Boy, he gets excited. He gets pumped up. And then I asked, I called the guy yesterday. I talked to the guy yesterday. I said, how did he do? He said, he did a good job. Now, at home, if I ask him to do that and he don't really think he's going to get a reward, he just does it haphazardly. I have to go back and tell him over and over again, son, can you do that again? But man, once he realized I'm going to reward, he get excited. See, when we realize that God is going to reward us in our prayers, we should get excited about praying. 
Because God is going to reward. God is going to reward me today. God is hearing me today. It is you talk, go to a prayer. Hallelujah. Let's go to the prayer. Let's go to the house of the Lord because I have expectation that God is going to meet my need today. Let's go and seek the face. You're talking about seeking the face of God. Let's go. Because we believe, if we really believe that God is going to reward us, we would pray a whole lot, wouldn't we? We really would. Now, this kind of faith, let's say, for example, that you're struggling with your faith. Well, you say, Pastor, I hear you, but, you know, I, I struggle with the faith thing. You know, I, I, sometimes I doubt. Romans ten seventeen says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, which brings me to my next point. Now, I'm going to step on some toes a little bit, but forgive me ahead of time. You ever heard the phrase, you are what you eat? Biblically speaking, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible says that we are to guard our hearts because out of our hearts flows the what? The issues of life. So we're to guard our hearts. What do you and I spend the majority of our times of our time feeding ourselves with? Because, see, you are what you feed yourself. If the majority of what you feed yourself are worldly ideas and worldly things, then guess what? That is what's going to flow out of your life. I mean, it is no magic about it. I mean, you know, you are what you eat. Like I, I like to lift weights. And you can tell a person that is physically fit, don't you? You can tell because you spend time in the weight room. If we want more faith, we have to spend more time in God's word. More time in prayer. Listen, if that means, if you're, like I said last week, if you're one of those people that say, well, you know, Pastor, I don't like to read. I, I don't like to read. Then get the Bible on tape. Play it because faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, not only just hearing here, but hearing in your spirit. See, the more you overload your soul with the word of God, the things of God, the more faith is going to well up in you and you're going to find that when you pray, you're going to have faith. Why? Because you've been filling your mind and your soul with the things of God. So the flip side of that, if we spend a lot of time with worldly things, now you put a tag on that because I guarantee you because, you know, God speaks to me too. Absolutely. Before I get up here and talk to you, I guarantee you God has already spoken to some of you about some things that you need to put down. That they're taking too much time from your reading and digesting the word of God. Because the kind of faith that we're talking about, we're talking about mountain moving faith. If we want this kind of faith, then we need to surround ourselves with the things of God, with the word of God, with the people of God. You know, may, you know, maybe listen to more music CDs, Christian music, or listen to more teaching and preaching on radio, on television. Be very careful with that. But, but listen to that and fill your mind constantly and consistently with the word of God. Then the Bible said the faith comes. And so now when you get on your knees to pray, because we already understand and we have established that God responds to faith. We can't expect, the Bible says we can't expect to receive anything from God if we're not praying in faith and really believing. So then, what that tells me is I need to have faith. I need to build up my faith. So the more, think about this, and I want you to try it if you haven't, just for the next month or so. That's my challenge to you. Just spend a whole lot more time reading the word, a whole lot more time praying, throw in a couple of days of fasting too. It'll help. And listen, 
and just begin to see how your mind will begin to change. All of a sudden, man, you're not walking in doubt and unbelief. But then you're like, man, I just believe God because you're filling yourself with the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's how it comes. And if we want to be the kind of people to get on our knees and pray and have results, we need to have faith in the Lord. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number one. You hear this uh, particular scripture quoted oftentimes a lot. Some people refer to it as the uh, definition of faith, and I'm not really sure if we would call it the definition of faith, but it's very, very close. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number one. Listen to this. Now, faith is the assurance or the proof of things hoped for. The conviction, conviction means full persuasion of things not seen. For by it, the men of old gain approval. You see, the kind of faith that he's talking about here, because how many know, if you read, how many of you have ever taken some time and read and read uh, Hebrews chapter number 11? We refer to it as the hall of faith. But sometimes, listen, oftentimes, faith is going to require you to overcome some obstacles and some difficulties. And when you read Hebrews chapter number 11, it is absolutely fascinating what those folks had to endure and they still believe God. They had an unshakable faith that said, no matter what comes my way, no matter what challenge, no matter how it looks, because the Bible says we walk by faith and not by what? Sight. No matter what it looks like, it is that unshakable faith that says, I know that what God has promised me will come to pass. It's going to happen. Whether I, whether I see it, right now or whether I don't. But they had this unshakable faith that they said, listen, you know, no matter what happens to me, I am going to believe God. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Everything around me is crumbling. If I'm sick, if I have financial problems, whatever the issue might be, I know that God said that he will never leave me nor forsake me. I know that God said that he will supply all of my need. I know that God said that he will be with me until the end of the world. I know that God said, if you read the book of Revelation, we have already won. (laughs) So it doesn't matter what it looks like. You see, those folks in Hebrews chapter number 11, I wish I had time, I'll read it. But those folks in Hebrews chapter number 11, they had a strong faith to say, you know what, God? I am not going to draw back. See, one of the things that I love to see, when you see, for example, Evan over here. Evan has had a brain aneurysm about a year ago, a year, about a year ago. And I'm sorry, about a year ago. And one of the things that I love when I see Evan is Evan, he's not giving up. And I'm sure he has his moments of time that he's thinking, you know what? This is just too hard, you know. But you know what he does? He steps out and he comes. And he understands that the problems that I'm having now, I can't walk and talk like I used to. But somehow, some way, I know that God is going to get me through this. 
Somehow, someway, God is going to get glory out of my life. You see, it doesn't matter what the obstacle is. And you see, and because of that, he is a testimony to every one of us. And I said to Evan, listen, I said to him, I said, brother, I said, let me tell you something. You are a witness to God. Even by the fact that he, listen, even though he cannot open his mouth and talk, when you see Evan, he is a witness to God. And he stares your faith because there are people that can walk, talk and do all of that. And they never show up at church or very rarely. And here it is, a man who have all these issues and he comes walking in the door and we see him and it's like, wow. That stares me, stares me to see people like Sean, who is struggling with kidney disease, keep his head up and keep fighting the good fight of faith. Never, ever, never, ever give up believing in God because God is going to get you through it. See, the thing of it is, is the just shall live by faith. What drives us nuts is that God don't tell us what he's going to do. That drives us crazy because we would like to be able to to. Lord, let me just see a glimpse. God requires us to walk by faith. That's just the way it is. Now, I didn't start that. That wasn't my idea. That is God's idea. But God will get the glory out of our lives if we commit to believe him and walk with him, no matter what it is that we're going to, going through. And then number two, we must approach the Lord, or we must, uh, we must must approach Him in the authority of Jesus Christ. Uh, John chapter number fourteen. John chapter number fourteen. The Gospel of John, chapter number fourteen, verse number twelve. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do. He will do also and greater works. Look at your neighbor and say greater works. Greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my name, my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You ask me anything in my name, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, some people like to look at that as somewhat of a formula. Well, you know, if I just say in Jesus' name, then that's like the signature to my prayer. It's like it guarantees now it's ready to be cashed. But see, it goes much, much more deeper than that. It's not just about saying some words, you know. When, when, it's, when we come in the authority of Christ in the name of Jesus, what we're saying is that, God, I come before you today in prayer as we're approaching God. God, I'm coming before you not in my own righteousness, but I come based on the authority of Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. You remember the disciples, the Sanhedrin, they were questioning the disciples in the book of Acts. And they were saying to the disciples, who gave you the authority to do what you're doing? He says, by the authority of Christ, I do it. When you and I are seeking the face of God, when we come into the presence of God, we can have confidence that Jesus Christ has made a way so that we can come boldly now to the throne of grace. 
Back in the Old Testament, when they used to offer up animals for, our, for the sacrifices of our sins, the priest used to go into this place called the Holy of Holies. And it was a tabernacle or a tent. Now, the Holy of Holies was the place where God's presence was. It was where the Ark of the Covenant was. And the priest could only go in there once a year to offer up sin. And if that priest didn't go in there right, then that priest would be struck down dead. And so they required the priest to go into the Holy of Holies. He had to have little bells on the edge of his robe. And if, listen, if the folks on the outside, because you see, they can't go in. They used to tie a string to the priest so that if for some reason he ain't doing what he's supposed to do, they, they pull him out because they can't go in. And so when, as long as they heard the bells, they knew that he was still ministering and offering sacrifices and everything was okay. But if the bells start ringing, homeboy, he messed up. Pull him out of there. And so the people back in the Old Testament, they used to approach God with fear. They, they, they were afraid to, because God is so holy and God is so right. You see, and sometimes we forget that, don't we? We forget how holy, how awesome our God is. The Bible says that when Jesus died, he offered up himself once and for all for our sins. Because you, the, the, the priests, they could not take away our sins. The sacrifice they were doing, all of that was just temporary until the real sacrifice came who is Jesus. The Bible said that when Jesus died on the cross, that the veil that divided uh, the men uh, or the priests or people from coming in had been rent in two, torn apart. Now that Christ died, the veil has been removed. And now every one of us, we don't have to worry about coming to God once a year, even though some of us or some people may try to still do that, operate with that once a year mentality. We can come to God every single day of our lives. And we don't have to come like those priests did. They came, they were in fear. Oh, you know, because they had to do everything right. But listen, God has made you righteous. So when you get on your knees, the Bible says now, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find help in time of need. You know, when we come to God, we shouldn't be walking, oh, you know, God, I'm coming to you today, you know. Um, you know, I, I hope I make it. Uh, God, you know, I'm just... Uh, Head hanging down. No, the Bible says, let us therefore come boldly, not with an arrogant attitude, but with a bold attitude that says, I come, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We talk about the authority of Jesus. He gives us the right to come before God. And he says, now, when you come before me, don't come afraid. And not only that, you can come to me anytime that you want to. And so we are to come and make our request before God. We're not to come you know, I'm not, God, I don't know. I know you said you might answer, but God, I don't know. If I, should, should I pray this, God? You know, I'm not really sure, God. Would you move on that? If my kids came to me, uh, Daddy, can I have some water, please? I'm going to say, son, daughter, you need to get yourself together and ask like you know what you're doing. Come with faith. Daddy, can I have some water? Daddy, I have a need. God, Daddy, can you, can you meet my need? Come with faith. That's how we should come to God. Because why? Jesus has given us the authority to do it. A holy and an awesome God who is majestic in power, beyond comprehension, can't figure him out. He is awesome in all of his ways. We get to come before his throne. And he says, we don't have to come begging. We can come boldly before the throne of 
I mean, know that we ought to take advantage of that, that we can come before the Lord. I mean, every opportunity we get to come before the King of Kings, oh, we should get excited, just like my kids on Christmas Day. Get excited because God has made a way. How are we doing on time? Well, we got to get moving. Oh, I knew this would happen. Then we need to approach him with humility. We need to approach him in, in humility. Now, we just talked about being bold when we come to God. Now, that is not the same. Being bold and coming to God is not the same as being uh, arrogant or prideful. Because one of the things that God cannot stand and God will not respond to is when you and I are arrogant or prideful. In Luke chapter 18, verse number 10, I'll read it. I want to try to move fast so I can finish up here. Can y'all just give me a few more minutes? All right, good. All right. Can y'all just give me a few more minutes? Amen. Y'all smile at me. Is that good? Everybody? Good. All right, here we go. Two men went up into the temple to pray, and one was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. One was a Pharisee. I mean, that dude, he was a pastor. He was a leader. He was a religious man. He had it all together. He went to seminary. He had, every, he had all his I's dotted and all his T's crossed. <laughs> the Pharisee stood, verse 11, and was praying this to himself. Now, he was praying it to himself because, you see, when he was standing before other people, he had to kind of act like he was really humble. So, you know, he was really praying to himself because I mean, know that God's not concerned about how we act in front of other people. God looks on our heart. I mean, God sees exactly where we are. Everything to God is naked. God sees everything. He sees every motive. He understands every single detail about us. He understands us better than we understand ourselves. Ooh, that should make you a little bit afraid. Here's what he said. Listen to this guy, this Pharisee, this righteous man, this man who's a teacher of the gospel, who have it all together. Here's what he says. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Oh, really? (laughs) Swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. See, see, he's coming based on his own righteousness. He's coming with that pride that says, you know what? I'm a little bit better than so-and-so. So, God, I, you know, I have a little bit more of a right to come because I'm not like the other people. He was solely looking at his performance and what he can do. But how many know that it's not about what we do, it's about what he did. And that is the only reason that we can go before the throne of God. But then look at what he goes on in verse 12. He says, look at here. I want you to listen to me. I fast twice a week. See, I got it all together. I pay tithes of all that I get. I mean, I make sure that I give all my money. Come on now. I got it all together. But the tax collector standing some distance away. And the tax collector, he was just a sinner. He said, he said that IRS guy to call you up when, we, you know, when they want to ask you some questions about your taxes. You know, that guy that everybody loved to hate. Yeah. But listen to what he says. He understands what he is. He says, but the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his head, his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, here's what Jesus says. This man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbled himself will be exalted. 
You see, it's amazing sometimes that we can get a little bit prideful. We think about, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Though he was God in the form of God, he did not, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he humbled himself, taking on the form of a bond servant. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, come unto me. Jesus, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble at heart. If Jesus Christ is humble, why do we ever think that we can come before God with any kind of pride, any kind of self-righteousness? In James 4, 6, it reads that God is opposed to the proud. You know what oppose me? Opposition? That means that God is resisting those who walk in pride. God is saying, you know what? I'm sorry, but, but you got some things that you're dealing with, and I just can't do this. God says, I resist the proud, but he gives what? Grace to the humble. See, when we're humble, what we're really saying is that, God, I depend on you. I know, God, that I am nothing with you. And so what do we do? We brag and we boast about God and his power. That's who we brag about. That's what we talk about, how awesome our God is. And so humility leads to exaltation. In Philippians, it said that God has highly exalted Jesus. He is highly exalted. Because he humbled himself before an almighty God. And when you and I approach God in prayer, it is important that we have a humble attitude. Now, not a, not a beggar attitude. That's a difference. You see, that's, a, that's false humility. Not the kind of humility that says, oh, poor me. But the, the kind of humility that says, you know what? God, I know that I'm nothing without you. I know that the only reason that I can come before your throne is because of your son, Jesus. And I'm going to brag and boast about him. I want to brag and boast about him. Oh, man. And then we should approach him with thanksgiving and praise. Psalm 100. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Approach him with thanksgiving and praise. And it reads, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Psalm 100, verse number one. Serve the Lord with gladness. How did, he, how did he say we should serve the Lord? With gladness. Shout joyfully to the Lord. That's why we enter into the presence of God. We sing. It, it's just not, we just don't, we, listen, we're not just coming up with songs just to say that we want to go through the motions. But the Bible says, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing. Hallelujah. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Look at this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his holy name. One of the things that we all must be very, very careful to do is to always give thanks unto God. You see, now, what happens when we don't give thanks to God? We usually focus on what we don't have. Oh, God, I wish I had this. 
Oh, God, I wish I had that. God, I've been believing you for this. God, I have been believing you for that. And what happened is when we have an ungrateful attitude, we keep focusing on the negative. I was talking uh, last night with April over the phone. We was talking, and she was telling me about a report that the doctor said concerning Evan. And I started saying, well, you know, God's just going to. But, but every time she would tell me something negative, she would say, but look, th- but this is what the, this is what God's going to do. Well, this is what God, what the doctor said. She would always infuse something positive. In other words, she's being thankful. When you and I are thankful, you know what it causes us to do? To focus on what he has done. And when we're focusing on what he has done, then it keeps us from complaining. You remember the children of Israel? That they complain over and over again. Oh, God, we don't have no water. Oh, God, we don't like this food. Oh, God, we're hungry. Oh, God, we're tired of walking in this desert. Oh, God, my feet hurt. Oh, God, I don't like my clothes. Oh, God, I don't like this place. Oh, God, I want to go back. But they failed to realize that God had a promise for them. They didn't recognize that. And so they constantly complain, complain, and complain. And whenever you and I are complaining, then we're failing to be thankful. And when we're failing to be thankful, it hinders our prayer because you know why? Because we don't really have any faith. We're coming to God complaining about our situation. How about try coming to God with an attitude of gratitude that says, God, I thank you. You know, this is not what I want, but let me, but God, I thank you for this because it could get worse. It could be a whole lot worse, God. So I am going to give God praise. Come before him with Thanksgiving, come before him with praise and singing when we approach the throne room of God. Because, it, listen, in prayer, it, it, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith and it causes us to believe God because we can see, because we're focused on the little steps, the things that God has did. It's like, wow. It's amazing if you just kind of sit back and just kind of think about all the things that God has done and you realize this is not as half as bad as I thought it was. I mean, there are a lot of good things here that God has done. I mean, God has really moved. I mean, I'm not where, you know, where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I was. I mean, there's been some progress made in this thing. And so we always can find a reason to give God thanks. No matter how bad your situation is, we can always find a reason to give God thanks. And in conclusion, and I want to talk a moment about What about unanswered prayers? Turn to Hebrews chapter number 11. And we're going to close with this. Because, see, we got to deal with this. Because how many know that there will be unanswered prayers? Because one of the things that we got to realize is that God is God. Sometimes our prayers are not going to be answered the way that we want them to be answered. Now, you say, well, does that mean that I'm not in faith? No, it doesn't mean that you're not in faith. It just means that God is God. God knows what's best. One of the things we must always recognize is that God is sovereign, and God does all things in accordance with his will. And so we got to recognize God don't always immediately answers our prayer. Sometimes there's a timing issue there. Sometimes God is not saying no. God is just saying You need to wait a while because perhaps like Evan or perhaps like Sean, I'm going to use your life as a testimony to other people. I'm going to show forth my power in you. And you're going to be a witness for me. So for right now, I want you to deal with this for right now. 
Because we never know what God is doing. We never know the lives that you and I are touching from day to day. You and I, we never ever know what God is doing. God always has the better plan. I'm sure when Joseph was thrown into the pit, when his brothers threw him into the pit, I'm sure Joseph was saying, you know what, God? Will you please get me out of this pit? It's dark down here. It's dirty. I want out. I don't like it here, God. Will you please help me? But you know what God said? God said, um, Joseph, I'm going to make you prime minister of Egypt. I'm going to make you second in command. But until that time, I want you to go through this. So you're going to have to stay in the pit for now. But at the proper time, I'm going to exalt you. You read the story in Genesis. Joseph was the second in charge of all of Egypt. But I'm sure that brother prayed, Lord, get me out of this hole. But God said, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Because I'm doing something in your life. Jesus prayed, Father, if it be willing, let this cup pass from me. God, can you do this some other way? I mean, I know I came to die, and I understand that. But God, is there another way? God says, no, I want you to, to drink that cup. Because in drinking that cup, you will bring many sons and daughters into the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, not my will, Father, but let your will be done. And so it is today. You and I are standing because of the blood of Jesus. The apostle Paul prayed three times to be healed. Lord, heal me of this disease. I mean, God, you know, I've laid my hands on people. I've seen people get healed. I've seen you do miracles. Now, God, I am struggling here. I have a thorn in my flesh. God, will you please, please heal me? The Bible says that Paul prayed three times. Now, Paul praying three times is pretty important because you and I better believe that Paul was a praying man. And if he sought God, he was seeking God fervently three times. But what did God say to Paul? He said, Paul, he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. For I'm going to demonstrate my power in your weakness. And so we understand that God is not limited by our sickness or the frailties of our flesh. He's not limited by that. You see, you got to have an eternal perspective. If we have an eternal perspective, then we can understand that God doesn't see like we see. So we need to get on the page where God is and begin to think like God. You see, that's where the intimacy comes in. As you and I are spending time in prayer and understanding, God just begins to just, the faith builds up and perhaps God will reveal. Sometimes he doesn't reveal why he's allowing us to go through certain things. Then we just got to deal with that. Remember David prayed, David said, the little baby died. His child died. And David prayed, said, God, please. David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Said, God, let my baby live. God said, no, the baby ended up dying. But, but, but God said about David that he is a man after my own heart. And Jesus is sitting upon the throne of who? David. You see how God exalted him, even in his trial and even in his difficulty. And through all of that, God has a better plan. Some saints prayed for deliverance that did not come. The Bible says that they loved their lives even unto the death in Revelations 12, 11. You see, some prayers won't be answered in this lifetime. 
And I know we don't like to hear that. But you know what? Think of it this way. And I'm getting ready to close. But many of us are here today. How many times have I said that? One time, two times? All right, I'm ready to close. <laughs> Who's counting? Somebody been praying three times, but God says, my grace is sufficient. You got to hear this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what was that? I got lost. I was getting ready to close. <laughs> oh, gosh. Think about it this way. Our prayers, somebody prayed for us. The reason why you and I are here today, you ever heard the story of your, your grandmother, your great-grandmother, somebody long ago was praying that you would be sitting before the face of God and that your generation would change. Some prayers, you got to understand that God didn't think and see the way we see. But there have been people that have been praying many, many years ago who never fully, who never saw the manifestation of that prayer. But you and I are here today because somebody prayed for us. God causes all things to work together for good. We got to remember that. And I know that, you know, it's not all going to be good, but he calls it all to work. He calls it cause all of it to work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. And so my challenge to you today is that when you pray, you seek the face of God. Pray in faith. Stimulate your faith. Take some time and understand that God is still in control. This is not all about just us. It's about a kingdom and that we have already won and we have already gotten the victory through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us stand. Hallelujah.